When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome to episode 39 of the bloodandbud.com podcast, an episode that... I can't tell it very you. Did, wasn't, let's be honest. It very nearly didn't happen, and I cannot tell you the tribulations we've just been through for the last hour trying to get the technicalities yes. of this sorted to try and get a pod going after what's been a momentous weekend in more ways than one. And mm. let me tell you, after what we've just done, the main thing is we're actually just delivering a pod in the first place on a Tuesday morning when yes, we're actually I mean, we're supposed this. to do it. Yeah, we're recording this on Monday night, which is indeed Halloween, and I think we can safely say that we have had our fill of gremlins, ghouls, goblins, and fuckers. And ghosts in the machine. Massive ghosts in the the machine. That's what the problem has been, more than anything Mm. else. However, we have had a bit of a competency turnaround in the last 10 minutes. Um, (laughs) Yes, it's been It's been near zebra-esque in our turnaround of competency in the last few minutes. (laughs) Um, and whatever the day or what day of the week it is, Halloween or any other kind of day, this still is the bloodandmud.com podcast, your spurry pipe bomb of rugby knowledge. And I remain Lee Calvert, editor of bloodandmud.com. And every day except the 29th of February, the bloke over there is... I am Josh Gardner of rugbyshirtwatch.com. <laughs> Can't Can emphasize very... often enough yes, that it shirt. is rugby shirt watch. Yes. Before we get started on the rundown of what's been happening. Um, yes. Let's talk about some follow-up to the Austin Healy stuff from last week. <laughs> is it 
a lot of people spewing vitriol at that bloke that liked Austin Healy. Well, as you know, if you listen, we had that, we had a don't second that emotion last week about Austin Healy, and Adrian Donahue got in touch saying that he he shared with us the fact that he likes the malevolent Liverpool leprechaun for the reason <laughs> for the for the main reason that the the leprechaun once wangled him some free tickets. Yeah. Frankly, it was a pitiful effort to try and justify why they like him. However, since then, and because of that, there's been a virtual rash of people coming forward with genuine Healy romance in their eyes. This is like I'm Spartacus, but awful. Like like whatever the reverse of that is. Yes. Yes. I'm not Spartacus, Spartacus. kill everyone. Yes. (laughs) Michael Winnan got in touch all the way from Thailand. We've got a listener in Thailand... Right. So that's good news for a start. Yeah, that is getting good news. Get in all the way from Thailand. Well, and we'll have one by the end of this segment. Is yes. So we see. He said, I'm not trying to pull your leg, but I'm another fan of Austin Healy. I used to try to play like him without the quickness and think he's good on TV. To make this a million times worse in your guys' eyes, I never really rated Shane Williams either. Yeah. Never contact Just, the show again. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> surely Matt Dawson is far worse than Austin Healy. Well, yeah, but that's not really a defence, is it? I think it's a close-run thing. But, you know, compared to the most evil man on television and in media, yeah, yeah. yeah he might be not as bad, but that's not maybe, really something maybe, to go. But it is, it, it's horses for courses there, as far as I'm concerned. And then he just finished with anyway, keep up the good work. So thank you for getting in touch and thank you for your kind thoughts. But Yes, and then, I disagree with all of your thoughts. Regular Profoundly. listener and regular contributor Matt Matthewman got in touch with his thoughts on this. Two, and it, it, it's settle in, it's quite a bit of prose this. <laughs> 2016 has been a bizarre year. Bowie, Prince, Wogan, politics being more batshit bonkers than normal. Haskell winning player of the series and a 3 0 win over England and Australia. But most of our bizarre of all is having to come to terms with the fact that I actually quite like Austin Healy. I know that he's a twat. I know that his yes. twattery manifests itself in many in many guises: the many. shirts, the hair, the phenomenal self confidence, the inverted commas banter. Although he has become a little bit more self aware of late, and the appearances on Strictly Come Dancing, etc. I know that your mate has first hand experience of his twattery. That's from weeks ago when he actually met him. Um, mm-hmm. And that at Tigers in his playing days, the camp, the playing camp was divided into two camps: those that had lamped him and those that were waiting to lamp him. <laughs> Which is probably very, very true. Um, despite all of this, I recall a very, very good player who graced Heineken Cup finals and England and and the England team in the most un-English way of having a bit of flair, especially in the late nineties. He could almost oh, you like this, Josh. He could almost have been Welsh. You can't see Josh's face right now, ladies and gentlemen, but I can. Yeah, it's bad I'm, for it. I'm, I'm just going to move on. Yeah. I'm speechless with <laughs> rage and disgust. Austin Healy could almost have been Welsh. Um, I've, I've heard of no greater insult to the nation of Wales than that. Um, he played with a plum in the... At Scrum Half and at Outside Half for the Winger for the Tigers, as well as at Scrum Half for the Wing for England, even filling in for St. Johnny on the 2000 Tour of South Africa. And playing bloody well by all accounts. I also quite like his analysis on BT Sports, and annoyingly, I agree with him too on many occasions. And then he. I added, think you need to reevaluate your opinions, though, Matt. I think you need to take it. But well, anyway, this has come as much <laughs> as a, this is this is the payoff room, which I quite like. This has come as much as a shock to me as it has to you. I haven't <laughs> told the family yet, and can only assume that a course of heavy medication is required. Maybe this is the beginning. Oh no, and therapy is required. Maybe this is the beginning 
of that long road? I mean, you'd have to have a very understanding family, I think. I mean, there are certain things you can confess to, weird sexual shit and all that stuff, that maybe your family would stand by Lost you. Lost boat sport. orgy type stuff, but you can't. Yeah, yeah, you know, standing grimly behind you at the press conference sort of standing. <laughs> but, you know, you, it, but this, I mean, I don't, I don't no. know how you could, you could really reconcile that, you know? But it's just... what I will say here now mm. is this has to stop. And I don't want anybody else <laughs> telling me that they like Austin Healy, all right? That's the end of it. Yeah, we if don't, you do want I to get in touch with us for other things, you can get in touch and tweet us at, at Blood and Mud, or you can get in touch with Josh. Uh, at Josh Gardner, or indeed at Rugby Shirt Watch. That's Shirt Watch, gentlemen. Shirt Rugby Watch. Shirt, shirt Watch. Mm-hmm. Now, we did meant to have a bit of an interview lined up this week with somebody, but unfortunately, because of the aforesaid technical problems, I had to let them leave. <laughs> Uh, but they yeah. are coming back next week, so I'll keep you on your toes about that one. We have, however, got an interview with Robbie Henshaw coming up later. Yes, if you can understand it. If you can understand it, because we did have to speak to him on a phone, and he was somewhere in Deepest Island. So yes, we'll, we'll do we'll our best that. with it. But um, mm. yeah, so we've got our feature 10 from the side, where we ask 10 uh, questions to the same people and see what the answers are, and that's what we're going to be doing with Robbie later on. But I mentioned in the inter- introduction that this is a momentous weekend in more ways it than is. one. It and certainly I, is. And I think the most momentous thing that's happened this weekend is what, Josh? Well, over the last few weeks, we've been wondering, how low can Zebra go? Can they plumb any depths lower than they've already reached? You know, winless all season, losing their Champions Cup games by a combined score of 134 to 21. Uh, if you told me last week that Zebra won't win another game all season, I would have gone, yes, yep. that's fine. Fair conclusion, flip, can't argue with you. On the flip side of that, Edinburgh fans have been feeling rather chipper lately, haven't they? They have. I mean, very they much so last that, week. That, that very good win against Quinns last week. And I, I, you read a few of them out, but I think we might have got more good nominations from Edinburgh fans delighting in how well they'd played than probably anything else last week. Yeah, it was sort of, of a young weird players. torrent. Different players being... It was almost like they got together in a little club and had one of those yeah. like social media campaigns. Yeah. The hope's a horrible thing, isn't it? It is. It's a horrible, vicious thing <laughs> because somehow, some way, Edinburgh contrived to lose to Zebra at home on a Friday night under the lights. The first away win for Zebra in the Pro 12 since 2013. Wow. Yes. And... Even though the winning try was helped by what must be said was a laughably forward pass, you can't say that Zebra didn't deserve it. They were 12 nil up at one point in the second half, and even when Edinburgh came back and scored two tries and were leading 14-12, like, they still just didn't look like they were that up for it. So, yeah, that ensures that Zebra lasted a mere 49 days in possession of the Cuthbert Plisson Club Cup and they've secured their first competitive win in 175 days. I'm not sure and I believe in anything anymore. No, because now for the first time we are able to say that Edinburgh Shipwatch has begun. Is it, It's the first time it's been in Scotland full stop, hasn't it? It is actually, yeah. But how long will they hold on to the CPC? That's what I want to know. We've got Ulster next. 
Yeah, but smart said money it could be on... Ulster shit watch, and then they were saying that as if that was a big thing, forgetting that we've already had Ulster shit watch. Exactly, that was a weird moment. That was a weird couple of weeks. That was a very weird couple of weeks until where it, was... it went Cardiff, Ulster, um, and then back to to Zebra where back it belongs, where it absolutely belongs. Yeah, so yeah, smart money's on them handing it back to the Dragons at Rodney Parade at the end of the month. I would say, just because the Dragons are fucking feckless and useless and hope awful. However, however, I'm looking further ahead than that. Right. If they can fail to beat Ulster, which, let's face it, is likely. Yeah. If they can fail to win away at the Dragons, it could happen. Yeah. And if they can lose away to the Ospreys, personally, I should fucking hope so. (laughs) Then we'll be back in the Challenge Cup and an absolutely scintillating home tie against Jules Plisson's Stade Francais. Yes, you got that right. Jules Plisson <laughs> could be holding on to the Cuthbert Plisson Cup, and yes, that's perfect. Edinburgh, don't fucking take this away from me. Now, you see, we've been joking about this since the beginning of the season, you know, that this yeah. is what we would like to see, thinking that there's absolutely no way that this could ever happen. There's too many stars that either need to align or collapse in on themselves, more likely, yeah. for this to actually happen. And now... And yet, and, and yet it's happening. <laughs> and low. This is, you see, there's a, there's, a, there's a larger hand at play here. The reigning there off of a... the game when, Goddard, when they were beating Connacht. The Friday yeah, night there, forward pass is, being allowed. And then this line... ordering this, shit going this little on line Noel Edmonds of, would love it. There's some ley line shit going on. <laughs> Noel Edmonds has been on the phone... It's um... <laughs> you've been talking to your pets. It's <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a double header. So there's every chance that when Edinburgh play the away fixture to start the week after, even if they do manage to beat them at home, they will be ceremoniously handed back the CBC after just a week. But if uh, if there's just one week where Jules uh-huh. Plisson is technically in, I might actually have to get a real trophy made in that case. <laughs> I've been, I've been walking past the, shit, the shitty engravers shop in Bath on the way back from work every day. Is that this what week. it's called? And that is That's the shitty engravers. It's a surprisingly bad name for a business, to be honest. <laughs> um, and I've just been looking at the dreadful trophies in the window and just thinking, one of them with Cuthbert Police on Cup written on it. Tell me that wouldn't be a beautiful thing. We should we should go full American pageant job. It should be like a gigantic, or those like eight foot tall ones with a <laughs> crown that's too big cup, for the yeah. head. Yeah. Yeah, or the Bledisloe Cup, which is just comically large. But I'm not stretching to that. I think we'd be lucky to get one of those. I do think you've skated over the fact that there could be an alignment of things going quite badly wrong and that Ospreys could end up with it. (laughs) I'm kind of trying to not not think about that right now. Also, however, if the Dragons get it uh, in a couple of weeks' time, then that does open the door for uh, NSA-STM the Russian side in the Challenge Cup to potentially, because they've got a home game against the Dragons coming up, they could potentially be taking the CPC to Russia. Saying that, they look better than the Dragons anyway, so... Can, can you actually get results that's not written in Cyrillic for the, the Siberian Domestic League? But I'll tell this you what, people... Moment, it could be the moment that the CPC disappears down a Russian black hole like some sort of dissenter in the 1950s and <laughs> yes. then he's airbrushed out of the photograph <laughs> yeah, basically gulagged off to see we'll literally be off to siberia so yeah but let me tell you this though even if you can't find the results in a non-syrilic fashion 
ladies and gentlemen, this pod will go that far to bring you the update on where the CPC is at, should it end up in Siberia. Yes. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. As yes, it stands let's not get minute, carried away. It, it is sat be, in Edinburgh Scotland. might never win another game. They might never win another game. I mean, to be, let's be honest, when we when I send them the carrier pigeon telling them of their CPC cup holding, they might, you know, decide to jack it all in. Yeah, I mean, it's not a, a totally unreasonable reaction to have, you know. Let's You've have a... already achieved the pinnacle of the game. Yes, the pinnacle of the game. Right, <laughs> so let's... Um, Let's have a. So that was that. That was obviously the biggest game of the weekend. I was struggling yes. to concentrate on anything after that. I actually didn't see no. the game on Friday. I had visitors, and I thought, oh, I know. You know, it's the Friday night Pro 12 fixtures. I'll just check my phone yeah. about half past nine. Went on Twitter. I thought, why have I got upwards <laughs> of 50 tweets? I looked and I was like, I don't believe this shit. I do I not was... believe this shit. I wasn't paying much attention. I was watching the Blues Scarlets game and I wasn't really paying attention. And then I saw they were 9 0 up at half time and all of a sudden I was very interested. You pa- was... Didn't you said you set up an alert on the Ultimate Rugby app? Yes, yeah. The Ultimate well, Rugby I, app is the, most, is the most I... baffling thing to navigate. Uh, it's... I'll level with you. Brian O'Driscoll, if you're listening, that app needs a little bit of user interface work. <laughs> it's not the most intuitive. It's a really good idea and I love that it exists. Is it his business? Probably... It, but yeah, he's one of the big investors for oh. it. I think it's yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, it's his like it was his like retirement it, plan was it, investing it in like, clever little apps like that. It, but it lists fixtures in a really stupidly grouped manner. It needs it more filtering options and the like. Yeah, and it just needs to be a little bit better laid out, I think, and a little bit more intuitive. But it is a very handy resource. Yeah. Now a word from our sponsors: the Ultimate Rugby app. <laughs> No, so there you go. If they'd like to, I mean, carry oh, on. Oh, well, please, yeah. by all means. Because mm. this whole thing about trying to get people to pay us not to curse them is not is not working at all. Yeah, I'm so far offer. we've not had any solid, recognisable offers, to my knowledge, anyway. Right then, we've spent far too much time on that. Let's have a look yeah, at the did. rest of the weekend. Um, yes. In, other, in many ways, it was kind of a weekend for a change where on the whole things broadly went, as you'd expect, aside from a couple of outliers, one of which we've obviously talked about, obviously. Yes. Like, even if the manner of some of those results was a little bit eyebrow raising, like you expected Harry's Saints, Quinns, Wasps, and Sale to win in the Prem, I think. Mm-hmm. You probably didn't expect Quinns to win by that much, and the same with Sale. No. And you didn't expect Sarries and Saints to struggle quite as much as they did either, I don't think. No, Sale seems to have finally found something resembling a, a rugby team. Well, the thing is, there's nothing to inspire your team to. You know, if you've got a struggling team with a poor away record, there's nothing that gets you up like playing for Bristol, does it? They happily rolled over in the most pathetic fashion that you could possibly imagine, conceding tries pretty much every time Sale got the ball in space by the looks of it. And Bristol have lost so much respect for themselves and what they're trying to do that they've they even let Avion Lewis Roberts score. That's that's a low ebb, isn't that it? That is the lowest of low ebbs, that is. That is really bad. And you look, we're one game away now from the halfway point in the season, and Bristol are seven points behind Worcester. Like, so even if Worcester don't win another game all season, which to be honest with you seems pretty unlikely, I'd say hmm. two wins in the last ten games, I just That's can't see happen. it. It's all over. But I mean, to be fair to Bristol, the you know the absolutely heavenly Garrity Henson axis only got eleven minutes, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's, I because that like, would have saved them, obviously, the Geraghty-Henson axis. 
it might have done something. I mean, cast your mind back to the first game of the season. Gavin Pl- Henson playing at 13, and Bristol were on course to an unlikely win against Quinns at Twickenham. Then he went off injured and they fell apart. They've looked shit ever since. And then, yeah, Sunday lasts 12 minutes and he's off with another injury that looks like he's going to be out for some time. And, like, I know people don't like Gav, but he's had such shitty luck. He has. And he's so good. Like, he's a class actor. He's act, a very he... good player. Yeah, you can say what you like about his, you know, his orange, you know, his curious orangeness, but he's a fantastic player. Exactly. The team's significantly better, both defensively and offensively. And yet, nah, it's. It's all over for them, I fear. Exeter Brath was a heartbreaker. Oh, it was Exeter. a terrible, terrible game, let's be honest. Yes. Uh, what was it, 3-0 at half-time? Then 3-all with about 15 minutes left, I think, and then it still managed to kick in. And it's kind of a reminder, as much as anything else, of that Exeter are a shadow of where they were last year and that Bath sort of looked like they're building something kind of impressive in its own way. You know? I, I watched Exeter for about 15 minutes of that game and every single phase they did the same thing. The scrum, a forward, any mm. forward, stood flat about 10 metres away from the breakdown yeah. and the scrum half threw it to that person for about <laughs> six pay, phases and they kind of walked forward, recycled and exactly the same thing happened again. They kept going in the same direction and BT Sport were getting them, like Ben Kay was getting really excited about it, said, oh, this is what they do, look at them working towards a post, working towards a post. It's like, yeah, but, yeah, but nothing is happening here. There's nothing easier to defend than predictable sort of crabbing forward carries. Yeah, that, that a prop any... stood still catching the ball yeah. and walking two metres into your defensive line, which is what was happening. Not event, you will not get to the try line by doing that. Because it's so fucking easy to defend. It's too easy to defend. Yeah. And, I mean, George Ford was basically Tesco value Bowden Barrett, I thought, on... Uh, yeah, it's like, he kind of breaks the line and then doesn't do anything. Whereas Barrett yeah. breaks the line and manufactures something every single time, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's, and, and equally, they both have dreadful fucking boots off the tee. Yes. But on the whole, I thought he played quite like I think you said on Twitter it was kind of a good summation of everything that he does, both positive yeah, and negative. Yeah, loads and loads of good stuff. Spannering the ball off the tee. Yeah. And on the whole, I think he was probably the difference because he did add that little bit of class. And he did that. He but... is a class above, I think, regardless of what we might think about it. And he is still relatively young. And he does look like the only person who can do that thing that he does. All right, he doesn't get the end product that Barrett does. But to be honest, yeah. nothing that's made by man does, mm. you know, get does do exactly. what Barrett does at the minute. He's otherworldly. This exactly. is this is. And I think if it is true that they say that he is off somewhere else at the end of the season, Bath are going to have a very hard job replacing him. They and... are. Hey, but hey, going back to a couple of episodes ago, Aled Brew looked all right. It's that it's, I mean, I'm he was, glad. He's, he's become a specialist to... kickoff chaser. He's a special teams player now, Aled. It <laughs> doesn't catch them, obviously, but, no, get, but, but it does enough to get in the way. It's a bit of an, It's like you stick him and Matt Banahan in the same back line, and it's just sort of leggy, big lumps through, flowing themselves through the air in a sort of gangly, weird way. As you know, I've had enough... I've spent plenty of time having a bit of a pop at Matt Banahan, mainly because of his lack of pace. Yes. And everybody always has a go at me. I always get loads of asshole on Twitter about how I don't give him enough respect. And to be fair, I will say right here and now, he has played well for about two years, Matt Banahan. He looks a better yeah. player than he has done for quite some time. 
he is more than just a lump, but he still has absolutely no pace whatsoever. No, it's it's. I think the move to twelve, weirdly, has been very good for him, because he was too slow to be a winger. Now it's just he was yeah. sort of a, just a pondering plunder, you know, ponderous lump. But at least at centre, he can sort of cover up the fact that he hasn't got a lot of pace in a sort of Jamie Roberts kind of way. He just yes. smashes big holes in things and, you know, yeah, he, I thought he's not going to be the sexiest playmaker you've ever seen. But, but Alid Brew. But Alid Brew. Who the fuck knew? It's, at least Andy Fendi hasn't become the superstar <laughs> of Saracen's backline. You know, yeah, I'm, I forgot, I'm waiting for that. Yeah, that will be. I mean, when that happens, I think I'll probably just stop watching rugby because yeah, it will no longer yeah. make sense. Yeah. Edinburgh yeah. shit watch. Andy Fenby, a superstar at Saracens. The world, it'll just be the end of it. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, speaking of, of Edinburgh and indeed the Pro 12, things are tight at the top of the Pro 12. Like, there's three points difference between first and fifth, and uh, only games one and points difference is separating the top three. So, like for comparison, there's an eleven point gap between first and fifth in the prem. So, yes. yeah, it's it, it's a, turning into a very actually very exciting and very competitive Pro Twelve this year, which is weird. Um, Osprey yeah. surprised me and probably a few other people by hammering the Dragons, um, despite having fifteen players missing, and Glasgow overcame the rampant stupidity of that new American lock whose name I can't even pronounce. Yeah, um, the one who did two yellow cards for, yeah, no for NFL-style torpedo yeah. tackle, basically. Yeah, Although it was marginal. A lot of people, were marginal, people but marginal, but... Don't do one and then carry on doing it. you just silly. Um, and then the most advent- eventful game of the weekend was probably uh, Blue Scarlets, where an eccentric refereeing performance overshadowed what was a very, very good effort by the Scarlets, I thought, and a very bad one for the Blues. I, I think I lost track of how many intercepts were thrown in the first half of that game because both teams seemed to view the ball as if it was made of needles and covered in shit. <laughs> but yes, um, and very good all-action performance from uh, Wales exile Aaron Shingler, or as he's known to Lloyd Linton, Steve Shingler. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, can I try and be fair for a minute here, right? Yes, I, didn't I see was the really, game. really trying hard to be fair on Twitter or Friday night, but go. I watched the replay, right? And I watched yeah. it a couple of times. And from where the referee is stood, which is the the other side to where the camera is, isn't it? He's kind of behind the tackle, the referee. Mm. There's a split second before you see um, Shing- the Shingler that did the tackle. Which one? I forget which yes. Shingler's which now. Even I'm getting mixed Steve. up. Steve. Steve yeah. Shingler did the tackle. There's a split second before his arms go around where it looks like Aaron... Is actually shoulder barging in. He's shoulder barging yes. the guy and stuff. And then obviously then the arms come and you realise he's quite blatantly been tackled. Yeah. And I think what's happened is is that the ref has seen that shoulder barge and the wheels have started turning and he's blown his whistle. If it had probably given it another half a second, it maybe wouldn't have happened. But I think he's yeah. kind of gone with what he's seen immediately. It's a bit like when a cricket referee gives LBW without giving himself a minute just to work it out. Yeah, I think that, like, 
I think it was still a terrible decision, right? It was wrong, and it, it was have awful. And he's pro- what he's done, he's probably made a decision too early. But I don't think mm. if you probably looked at it from his angle, it wasn't quite as obvious as it looked to us to give him some defence. No, I, I've I've been racking my brain. It's one of those things where you know I'm staring off into the middle distance all weekend, just trying to sort of think about the thought processes that must have been involved. Because fair enough, if he saw what you thought he saw, that's totally fine. Like and I sort of agree with you, but then to give the yellow card makes no sense. True, I because it's about not that bit, like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that bit. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> it's not like he was running towards he was running back towards his own try line, and yet somehow, like yeah, that doesn't make right, okay. sense. So basically, my defense has been an absolutely pitiful effort. Well, no, it's, I can understand. I, I'm with it's, it's you. It's Adrian Donahue liking Austin Healy level on it, but you, you know what I mean. Yeah, I, under, I completely understand where you're coming from, and I think that you're right in that he saw that initial contact as the penalty offence, but then he sort of had a weird, like, like a glitch in the matrix moment where he suddenly decided that it must have been. Yeah, I. It's just it's. It's genuine. What's the worst thing is he's a really inexperienced ref. He's one of the youngest refs in the Pro 12. He's only been sort of at this level for like a season mm. or so, and this is mm. by far the biggest game that he's had outside of Scotland. And the TMO didn't intervene. The his assistants didn't intervene. They basically just went. They hung him out to dry. Is that not went, the protocol though? Unless he what? asks. In situ- if he's think, already blown his I whistle. I think if Nigel Owens had been running that line. <laughs> he yeah, might, yeah, again, he might yeah. have come over. <laughs> yeah. But if you've got an experienced ref on the line, then you should probably go. Are you really? Sh- are you, you sure have you don't want to check again. the CMO yeah. about this? Yeah. Because, yeah, or just. Yeah. But that's the, the problem. Was that wasn't the only thing that he did? That yeah, was dreadful. it wasn't vintage, was it? I mean, there was the whole ten minutes. Unless by vintage you mean ladies' clothes with holes in them being sold on the market. Yeah, it's like I'm sure that I don't want to rag on him too much because every ref has bad games, and especially young refs. But like, oh, there was a scrum at the end of the first half that literally, and I'm not exaggerating, it took ten minutes to complete. Ten for it was but, thirty minutes to. 40 but again, minutes. he's not the only one guilty of that, is he? No, I know, but at one point you just got to go fuck off a lot of you. Send you all, send but two front rows off and have a, wh- a full on Wayne Barnes drop. Yeah, but in that right, situation, both of you off. Absolutely. I don't know for this now. Yeah, somebody I mean, on who could actually do this. Yeah, he also seemed intent on penalising any player who attempted to do a jackal, regardless of whether it was legal or not, which was very fun for all the Scarlets fans. But ultimately, yeah. none of these things affected the results. I don't think they affect Scarlet... the results, and I think, no. that it, but it will affect refereeing if this kind of shit carries on in terms of yeah. the, the hounding of him. That's that. That's not yeah. on. That's the thing that I didn't like on after the game on on Friday night. A lot of people were. He's on Twitter, as all referees seem to be these days. And there were quite Which, a few again, fans. Again, I don't understand of, that either, really. No. Um, there were quite a few fans who were sort of, I say fans, dickheads, um, who were looking for him and then basically giving him a load of shit for it. And it's like... I, I've I never just, I'd never understood why people at famous people anyway. No, I hate it. Because I, I really see Twitter as being like, if you're in the pub with your mates and Ooh. you went, you know, that Kim Kardashian's a bellend. Yeah. You know, they go, yeah. You wouldn't like, I don't know, Ringer. No, say, we're all just sat round yeah. here saying what a bell end you are, Kim. Yeah. 
What do you think of that? Hey? Yeah, what do you think about that? You know, you know, and then like be pissed <laughs> off when she does that. She won't answer the fucking phone. What yeah. a bell end. I told you she's a bell end, look. You know, sort of thing. Well, that's a that's what it seems. So why do you at people? I've I've had like I've like had a go, you know, I have a go at people. It's what I do. That's fine. Yeah. And some people might say, well, you should say it straight to them. Well, no, that's not how it really works. I've had a pop at people sometimes, and then somebody copies them in. That is like... Retweets them with um, their name. That is the <laughs> it's like, worst, what? like, shitty fucking prefect tell teacher behaviour. <laughs> I hate that shit. That's... It's like, you want to... If I was the, the famous person, I would more fucking know. Who gives a shit? Like, unless you're James Haskell, who obviously cares a lot... Why would you want to he be? He wants to see it so he can block you to show how much he doesn't care about it. Exactly, but like, unless you're clinically like egocentric and you need to be like constantly known that you're talking about whether positive or negative people are talking about you, then why would you give a fuck if somebody who you didn't know, who wasn't in any way significant in your life or in the wider scheme of things, thought you were shit? Like, it's just, it just seems like. You know that sort of thing where people are just like, oh, people are rushing to tell somebody bad news. You'll never guess what. So guess who's fucking... dead? Yeah. The um, but I um, like, but I'm, I'm, I've been I've been writing a, yeah I've been writing an opinionated pod for nearly ten years now, a blog for nearly ten years now, right? And I often get the below the line thing of people say you're a knobhead, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, it happens. I had Ben Foden's brother once having a pop at me below <laughs> the line. For, for suggesting that he's a better fullback than Scrum Half back in 2009 or whatever it was I did it. But this is what happens, you know, when you just accept the fact it's going to happen. And if you want to come to you directly, then that's fine. But I, I just don't understand. Anyway, yes. what, what were we talking about? Um, well, Pro 12. Uh, so back to it, yeah. Ulster lost at home. First time this season as they ran into the emotional freight train that is Munster. Um, <laughs> they were 14-0 up at one point, Ulster, but I'm not sure you'd bet against Munster coming back down from 40-0 down, such as the way that they're just playing with ridiculous purpose and emotion and just... I, I've got to hand it to them, like the way that they're just dealing with this incomprehensible and awful circumstance by channeling it into being incredibly just united. battering everybody. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of heartening and remarkable, really, and good for them. Um, and Leinster are top after... They beat the shit out of Connacht, basically. That pack of theirs is massive. Yes. Um, and they're deep as any old thing. Um, so, yeah. It's- Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. It's interesting. The Pro 12 seems to be very, very finely balanced. I'm not sure you could pick a winner at this point. Right. Let's move on to shit good, shall we? Let's. Shit good, shit good, shit good. Shit. Good mm. and shit simultaneously in many ways I've got here. I know it's not possible, but it's because it's two things in one. Mm. Dave, Dave Atwood's dancing feet, good. 
<laughs> ruined by the joy vacuum TMO shit. Yeah, I always think that if if the front row does something spectacular or he's a second rules, row, but I take your point. Uh, second row, sorry, yes. If if a, a, a lumbering forward does something impressive, he steps three different directions and in. Yeah, I I don't, that should not be. I don't care what rules he's broken. Talking That's about. TMO assisting, that was a classic one. Did you see that whole, how that decision yes. got made? Oh, God. Where they it, yes. he said, well, they're all offside, are they? The TMO went, um, it was touched in flight, uh, which means I think they were onside, weren't they? And he, um, <laughs> I think you might want to check the game. And then he went, um, yeah, check the pass, will you? So, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, um, shit. Uh, the WRU, the Regions, the Pro 12, basically... Everybody that's involved in the complete shambles that was the Welsh derbies this week being played without any of the fucking Welsh internationals that should have been involved because, um, well, as I understand it, it's a complete fuck up on everybody's part. So the Pro 12 does the fixtures and then the regions are supposed to look at those fixtures and go, oh, can we not have that game there because... XYZ. However, yeah. nobody at the pro, any of the regions noticed that all of their Wales players would be away in camp at this weekend, and so then didn't bother to tell, and they didn't tell anybody. And then apparently they did have the, they were entitled uh, to like demand all of their Welsh players back because it's like a gentleman's agreement. But they sort of said, oh no, well, but we trust the WRU. They'll they'll release the players that they, they and no they released all of four players back to the regions. So the Ospreys had no tens, the Blues had no sevens. It's just a textbook example of how Welsh rugby is being is run by fucking amateurs sometimes, our, our isn't new, it? It's, our, is it time to bring out our new strap line, Josh? It's, <laughs> Welsh rugby, by and large, large, it's going terribly. It's going terribly. I mean, it was just it's clown car shit. It really was like if. The Blues, I, I honestly think that the Blues were badly affected. They had no open sides and they got absolutely murdered on the deck all day long. And that's directly because Rob Howley They're all somewhere let... else, yes. Yeah, and Ellis Jenkins isn't even in the squad. They just needed a seven for training numbers. So they kept him. That's pretty out of order, isn't it? It's re- It's Literally nobody comes out of it well, to be honest. It's very bad. Um. Shit, speaking of Wales, Thomas Francis's mm. hair. I haven't seen this. It's 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 a it's a, a wide mohawk. Oh no, has highlights. he been spending too much time with Jack Noel again? With, uh, Exeter Chiefs do seem to have a higher concentration of terrible barnets compared to other other, other clubs. Clearly it's something to do it's, with the like... mohawk is in itself a crime. Yes, but then it's, it's actually not a good idea. it's actually got highlights in it. It's got blonde no. hair, and then it's tied up with a beard. He looks like a really shit Mister T. <laughs> Mister W. Mister yeah, Mister W. So yeah, so that I'll leave that. The other thing while I'm on that because I was watching that game, mm. Henry Slade played well, but the BT Sports Circle wank that went on for the entirety of that game was ridiculous. It's it's they get it's not you think that. English pundits would realise the dangers of hideously overhyping players that haven't really done anything yet. Yeah. And yet 
God bless them, they just can't help themselves. I mean, he, can, he played well, but it just didn't yeah, stop. Yeah, he did play very well. And while we're on BT Sport, these fucking stupid mid-half interviews with completely disinterested coaches. Oh, and, and the I mean, Aust- Rob, Rob, Baxter, Rob Baxter, right? He's a nice guy, yeah. Rob Baxter. Seems hmm. like a nice guy, but he, he's a guy who looks like he's constantly lost a pound and found a dog turd. <laughs> and going to him halfway through a match, which was as tense as that when any team were playing that badly, to ask him to say... Things. Plus, then the fact that it couldn't actually be heard the whole time. Yeah, and BBC Wales does exactly the same thing. Yeah, uh, when did this become a thing? I don't know, but they'll go to they'll be chatting to fucking Gruff Reese or Sean Holly on on Saturday yeah. afternoon and go. Oh, why did we get Sean, a referendum about how's this? Go, how's it going? Yeah, where's where is the mid half? And inter- also, speaking of it, actually, interviewing players as they come off at half time. Yeah. What fuck is the point in that? Oh, yeah. I was not half gone. Well, we're winning or we're losing. I'm knackered and I want to drink and sit down. Can you fuck off, please? Have you got any Powerade with you? No. Well, fuck <laughs> off out of my way then. Yes, ban all of it. Yeah, there's a bit at the end Firstly, of the... ban interviews full stop because post-match interviews are fucking pointless Well, they're also well. a coach now, aren't they? I mean, to be fair, the one thing about Haskell is, right, he's a cock, but at least he does sound different in interviews. I'll give yeah, him that. He will, and he will give his honest opinion, even yeah. if it's a reprehensible one. And I'd rather that, to be honest. Matt Cunningham got in touch on Twitter, at Blood and Mud, and he said, I don't know if he covered you on this, he said, shit, is this article. And he, he had a link to Wales Online, who seems to go in, hmm. be going increasingly crazy, uh, saying that the South Africans are going to have a Pro 12 team. Or they're a suggestion not, of it, or they're not. It's a suggestion. But the things they'll do, and I think is I clicked on it, the things they'll do for clickbait, I clicked on it. Well, that's the thing. You can't help yourself, can you? No. Um, and that, or you Twitter, wouldn't believe I, what I, this '80s TV also... star looks like now. Is that, no, you know? exactly. Who needs that shit? Another thing that I noticed on Twitter that I just remembered actually, and I've just seen um, in that Stephen Shingler, Aaron Shingler bit, the worst part of the whole thing, much worse than Lloyd Linton's decision, is Steve Shingler waving an imaginary card in the direction of his ref, <laughs> trying to get your own brother binned. That's that is brilliant, low that though, shit, isn't it? Man. Can you imagine Christmas around their house? Oh, God, they must... Yeah. Can you imagine the mother, you two need to... Look, enough of this now, you need to speak to each other. <laughs> there was a nice photo of the two arm-in-arm arm at the end of the game with uh, with Aaron indicating that he was quite pleased that he'd won and Steve <laughs> sort of... And it was just like... They must just... It must have been awful growing up in that house. They oh. clearly are both borderline shit houses yeah. in quite an entertaining way. Lads. Hashtag lads. Right. Hashtag uh, lads indeed. Uh, Mike on Twitter got in touch. Uh, <laughs> which, uh, thank you for listening, Mike. I think it's the first time we've had a tweet off you. I apologise if we've done one before. but um, He said, shit, the continuous endeavour of the Saints attack to never again gain yards. <laughs> <laughs> Apart they from have- Big Louie. Big old Louie. Uh, somebody said that Pickamoles was, uh, I can't remember who it was, said that they were keeping him out of the, relega- the relegation scrap, which is perhaps a little bit strong, but he is basically their yeah. primary and only weapon. Tom Dare said he's playing well enough now to be dropped by Noves. <laughs> he is actually, isn't he? Along with uh, Morgan Parra and Noah Nakatathi. But... Um, the pen got in touch on Twitter, who's the, which is the Glasgow Warriors uh, <laughs> fan club writer, uh, which you imagine which way this is going. Shit for him was Zebra not being Zebra, but good was Edinburgh being Zebra. 
Oh, that's... God bless him. What happened to fraternity amongst Scotsmen, eh? Yes, and the, the black and red got in touch on Twitter, who's the Edinburgh support, an Edinburgh fan page, saying, uh, you know, nothing's good this week, particularly my lot smashing all happiness in one performance. <laughs> all I happiness mean, is over. Especially on a Friday night as well. Talk about ruining your weekend. Yeah. I mean, God. And also, they've been they've obviously been waiting all weekend because these people do listen to this pod for... You know, they probably look forward to it. I hope they look forward to this pod most weeks, but it probably wouldn't have been this week. <laughs> probably. Yeah, we also had another ship from Tom Gorman, which is just everyone involved in Saints Gloucester except for Pickamoles and Moriarty, which is <laughs> fair enough, really. That's their whole season, right? <laughs> yeah, it basically is. The only good players on. I, I, have they actually forgotten they've got George North? Like, has he become a figment of their imagination? It's up. The weird thing is, every time they give him the ball, he does like the George North thing, and everyone goes, "Fucking hell!" It's so good to see yeah. George North playing like that again. Yeah. And then he disappears for another month. Yeah, and he's sort of waving on the wing, going, "Hello, <laughs> lads, 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 lads." He's like, um, he's like the, um, oh, the Alan Partridge was shouting yes. for Dan, 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 Dan. He's not seen me. He's not seen me. <laughs> <laughs> um, can, Ian McGillip, uh, uh, controversial, pains me, but shit, Stuart Hogg. For a moment of genius, then diving short of the line and losing the ball forward. Yeah, he has had a bit of a mare there. At least it was only against Jerisso. Well, well, don't be so bold with statements like this after what's happened this weekend. Yeah, I mean, anything could happen, let's face it. Um, Other shits for me, personally, um, Ian Goff for um, turning up at Rodney Parade on Saturday afternoon to do BBC Radio Wales commentary when the game was at the Liberty Stadium. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, to find Pregend warming up for their game against Newport in the Welsh Prem, he had to absolutely razz it down the M4 and turned up 10 minutes after kickoff. To be fair, if he'd actually watched that, would he be able to tell the difference between Bridgend and the Dragons actually played? Almost not at all, I would imagine. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, and then, then my final shit is uh, Andy Robinson, who, let's face it, is robbing a living. He's, he's, he can, he, uh, we say this every week. Apparently, apparently, just before we came on air, uh, apparently Bristol have called an unscheduled staff meeting for 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. He's only invited. So <laughs> by, yeah, by the time you're reading this, um, maybe Bristol's Andy Robinson problem will be somebody else's Andy Robinson problem. Well, who would take over? Well, I saw Jonathan somebody on Thomas. Twitter say there's rumour that they're bringing in Alex King, the Saints former Saints coach, as their backs coach. So maybe it's just that. But He's relatively inexperienced, though, isn't he, as well? It's... Well, exactly, you know, and think... also, you God, know what? for God's sake, their problem is that they can't defend and they can't fucking string any phases together. They're just you know, awful on all levels. You know what? The season is over. Yeah. They might as well get somebody in. They you actually can actually might. just give them a bit of self-respect for the rest of the season, even if they're going to go down, which they're going to anyway. But yeah, if it keeps going, going like this, this it's just going to be soul-splintering. Yeah. Bring in a proper coach that can get them playing good rugby and maybe get a win or two before the end of the season. Because, yeah, this ain't happening. Any good stuff from you? I've mixed yes. a bit of shit and good up in my bit. So, um, so yeah, uh, a lot of people said it on Twitter, and I heartily agreed. Josh Matavesi. Um, last week, I predicted like a self-loathing Russell Grant that the Ospreys would be forced to play the, shall we say, ample Fijian centre at 10? I don't want to... 
want to call him chunky, but I mean, let's face it, he is um, for the big game against the Dragons. And I expected it to go rather spectacularly badly. Um, and I'd like to personally apologise to my namesake because not only did they come out with a bonus point win, uh, he was man of the match and had an absolutely ridiculous offload for Keenan Giles' first try and looked dangerous every time he touched the ball. So, uh, yeah, good. Anything else? Uh, uh, ben Teo? That was very good. What's the loss Benteo? at the weekend, but he made one, scored one, and looked kind of back to his power offloading, sidestepping best. And you've got to wonder if maybe Eddie will consider him for one of the games in the autumn. Maybe I don't know. Speaking of and speaking of England in the autumn, uh, and they got no back rowers. Seymour uh, looked quite handy. Mm. Just remember him at Sale. Is it the same Seymour? I don't know. Is it Dave? Maybe Dave Seymour. He's been around for years, hasn't he? Is it the same yeah. one? Or am I getting mixed up? Or is he Nick Seymour now? Oh, I don't know. I've lost it anyway. But um, but yeah, I mean, England needs some. But tell you who doesn't need back row players. England need back row players. Leinster don't fucking need back row players. <laughs> Dan Levy on the weekend once again was an absolute monster, and he's been he's academy player last season, but he started five games. He's been brilliant. He was properly at the heart of everything good that Leinster did on their win against Connacht at the weekend. Do you know that I discovered this? Leinster have eight back rowers in their squad at the moment. Every single one of them has come through the system there and all but one of them, which is Dan Levy, have played for Ireland. Wow. And uh, Bod was saying on the weekend that he imagines that Levy will be playing Test Rugby sooner rather than later, so don't bet against them having a full house. But that is quite some fucking production line, isn't it? So why is it then that somebody like the Dragons can't do it and have to keep on assigning journeymen South Africans all the time? Well, but they do. Like, they've had quite, like, they had Dan Lidget. Obviously, he left. They had Talibé Falatau and he left. And the problem is they generate. They, they there was a period where they were basically generating a lot of very good back rowers, but they just let they all went to more successful clubs. They can't mm. keep the their main problem is they can't keep their talent, and it right. kind of always will be. Anything else before we bring this to a uh, close? Uh, very quickly, Billy Burns. I can't defend for shit, but he's quite a good. He's like an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He sort of comes on in the second half and runs around a lot and looks quite good. Do you mean you Freddie wouldn't... Burns? Uh, sorry, yeah, Freddie Burns. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> no, Billy Burns Billy... doesn't look like you got it because he's a Gloucester, so he he's in the everyone is shit category apart from Ross Moriarty. So yeah, Freddie Burns. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't. You wouldn't want to play him for eighty because he'd be shit. But well, off the bench, he's, him and he's Owen very Williams good. are quite a good mix, aren't they? Yeah. Only Williams does that kind of planker woodish Sean Williams thing that he does. And I don't mean that yes. as, a, as a massive criticism. He's just he's a, a, he's a good little sort of game controller type fly off, but then he can switch to 12. You can yeah. let Burns do his little, he, you know, he's got pace, he's got vision. And, and yeah, he gave Sarri's fits when he came on the weekend. And he did it the week before in the in the Champions Cup as well. So Gopeth was back at 10 this week. He was. And looked magnificent. Well, was, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm baffled. I'm still baffled. He's it's basically now the best player in the world. Um, yeah, it's probably. really weird. But we can't Basically, work out how. He sort of inherited Dan Carter's brilliant New Zealand fly-off mantle. Has he been to the or same maybe, chemist? Possibly. Allegedly. Not really out. <laughs> no, proven false. Proven false, yes. <laughs> Lenny said anyway, um, it's not It's not the same. Course no, Coast totally are not the same. Lenny Wood, just... It's had Lenny Woodard's seal of approval. <laughs> yes, can we get on a stamp, please? <laughs> yeah. 
Um, only other good to me, uh, Todd Blackadder, because I honestly don't think the Bath would have won that game a year ago or any time in the last couple of years. I think he's done wonders to change the culture there. There's a lot to be said for watching every single game for two, two years yeah. with the Bath games. Clearly isolated the problem, which was everything about their mentality. <laughs> which was everything and start again. Yeah. And uh, my last one is uh, Patricio Fernandez, who is a 21-year-old Argentine fly-off who started for Claremont against Breve on Sunday. And get this for a stat line. Two tries, four from four conversions, four from four penalties, a personal tally of 30 points. Did you say he was a prop? No, fly-off. I thought you said a prop then. I got very confused. <laughs> Did I say... No, no you may prop, not have said prop. I, would... I thought I heard prop. If, I think cause, because it, you said Argentine... If it Argent... was a prop, that would, just have been, uh, that would have been what we just started with. Because Fuck you said Argentinian, I automatically went to prop. It was a word association <laughs> game. you did say prop. That is kind of... You say Argentinian and prop sort of does come after it, doesn't it? Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah that is 30... quite... A t- 19 years old. Uh, 21. 21. 30 points. I'm not hearing anything you're telling me, am I? No, 21. You. 30 points, 21 how long before he's um, spilling offloads for Argentina? Uh, matter of days. <laughs> it won't be long, will it? <laughs> Who are Argentina playing? Scotland are playing, aren't they? Uh, they're playing Scotland, they're playing Wales. I'm going to that game, actually, so we'll oh. probably lose. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm sure they're playing somebody else as well. We'll, we'll, do, France, a, we'll, we'll do a bit of an autumn international thing next week. Yes, because we don't. We're not going to talk about Wales, Australia, or Ireland, New Zealand because they're silly games. And tomorrow, uh, Josh, you're off mm. to the Lions shirt launch. I am indeed. I'm heading down to uh, the the Hilton at Tower Bridge to uh, to attend the Lions shirt launch. It's very exciting. Um, I hope there's canapes. That's all I'm going to say. Indeed. And uh, yes, I, we, a couple of people have probably seen the weird little hologram thing that they sent out. That was quite cool. Um, is that, is that to do with the remote electrification device? Yes. It was basically, I don't want to be down on Canterbury about this at all, but it was basically a prism in a little box and you put your phone in there and it goes, and spins around. It was quite cool. But um, Well, there you go. It was quite cool. Hey, that's quite an achievement exactly. in this saturated media world. But nothing. It was basically, it was basically fine, you know. Um, so yeah, the shirt looks very nice from what I've seen of the tiny little hologram. Um, proper collar, good sign. Good sign. We like a proper collar. So we'll have the full rundown on that next week. We certainly will. Before we go, speaking of Canterbury, Canterbury very kindly let us have a chat with uh, Robbie Henshaw this week. Yes, they did. Uh, he was uh, took a bunch of civilians to a farm in deepest, darkest island where he was basically putting them through uh, hard as nails, rugby training, pulling sleds and flipping tyres and all that sports film montage shit. Um, and needless to say, obviously, we wanted no part of that, but Canterbury were kind enough to let us get Robbie <laughs> on the phone for 10 minutes um, during a break in the day. Now, I should couch this by saying that Robbie was on a mobile phone on a farm in the Irish countryside, so set your expectations low vis-a-vis audio quality because i say again mobile phone irish countryside imagine those to be honest with you there is the reason there's no preamble and we go straight into it is that the line dropped literally 30 seconds into the call before i'd even managed to get the first question out so (laughs) yeah it was uh technically as with everything this week it was technically challenging but um yes we need to move on this week i think but the the, from So, yeah, it's our 10 from the side feature. We ask uh, some very quite simple, sappy questions to a professional rugby player. And this week, it's Robbie Henshaw. Apologies for the quality, but we've done our best. Here it is. Indeed. Kick things off with our 10 at the side, then. Um, Do you have any pre-match rituals or superstitions? 
Not necessarily. Um, obviously, pack my bag the night before a game, have yeah. myself organised, um, and I'd say a quick prayer before I, before I go out onto the pitch yeah. um, after our warm up. And yeah, that'll be it, really. Fair enough. And um, so, obviously, you, you're sort of fairly early in your career. But what would you say would be the best, the highlight, the best moment of your career to date? Like it was, was always a, a dream of mine as a kid. So doing that and, and getting get my first cap, and definitely playing in my first World Cup was uh, was up there with, with one of the best highlights. Yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, you always play with a load of, of, of really great players, both for Ireland and for, for Connacht and Leinster. Sort of, who do you yeah. say is the best player that you've you've ever played with? Um, best player I've ever played with. Oh, there's been loads. Like uh, <laughs> hard to name some, but. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, Dan Parks, he, he course, helped yeah. me along the way. Yeah. Uh, he, he was great for me uh, coming into the Connacht setup. And Bundy Aki playing centre with him last year, for the last two or three years was, yeah, was deadly as well. He's, he's a quality yeah. player. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So slightly, slightly off topic then. Um, when you were a kid, um, did you ever have like replica rugby jerseys? And if you did, uh, do you remember what the first one you ever had was when you were a kid? Um, must have been it was one of the long sleeve Irish jerseys, oh, like yeah. the really cotton, cotton old ones. Yeah. And then one of my one of my uh, club rugby teams, uh, Buccaneers, was a, a yellow and black kind of strip. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, I used to have one of those as well. So, nice. uh, I used to have, I used to get a few of my dad's old jerseys as well. So a few old Connacht ones as well yeah. that I used to kind of get taken down for me. Yeah. Do you secretly prefer the old long sleeve jerseys? Most people. <laughs> no, I don't. I, <laughs> maybe, maybe for warmth in, uh, before the game, but uh, no, I can't say I'd like to paint it. <laughs> no, uh, it'd be tough. It'd be tough to, to, to get away from your opponent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so. Back to sort of the off-field side of things. Who's the worst player that you've ever shared a room with, like either on tour or or away games? The worst player I've ever what? Yeah, uh, the uh, worst player you've ever shared a room with. Oh God, that's a tough question. <laughs> um, I'm not sure who the worst player to share a room with. Hold on, let me think. Uh, who have I played with before? I suppose. I can't really name who did the worst, but there's been a, I've heard stories of um, a few guys who, who have been, who've been tough to, to run with a few snorers, like so. Yeah, I remember him in the World Cup, he was a, a bit of a heavy snorer, but I had airplugs to get me through that, <laughs> so that, that was all of, good. Is that kind of essential when you, you're rooming with somebody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, if you could play any other professional sport aside from rugby, uh, what do you think it would be? Um, any other professional sport? Hmm. Probably be probably be uh, soccer. I'd say. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I played a lot of soccer when I was young. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just. It's obviously uh, it's a good sport. Yeah. But, um, what position do you play? Probably soccer. Probably soccer, or uh, I'd love to throw throw my hat at NFL maybe. Oh yeah, well, I think yeah. you'd, you'd make a decent tight end. Yeah. Yeah, 
Interesting answers from uh, from Mr. Henshaw there. I would. When we started this, Josh, I often find myself saying this. When we started this, I never <laughs> thought that when we asked a question like "Who was the best player you've ever played with?" that the first person that would come to a person's mind was Dan Parks. I mean, I think you probably noticed that there was a sort of weird silence when he said that on my end, as I was, I was kind of trying to process what he was saying. Because I couldn't quite believe it. <laughs> yeah. um, I think this line's very bad. It sounded like you said Dan Parks there, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I very nearly did. But I think it shows in many ways how far Connacht have come. Because think about it. When he was a, a kid at starting a Connacht, yeah, compared to the dog shit they were used to over there, Dan Parks, who had like yeah. 50-odd 50, 50 caps for Scotland, 
yeah. probably was was a mass like and had, never... he, and he, he had had that one good season. Let's he did have that one good season. I mean, Cardiff signed he was, him. He was truly awful for the Blues before he went. And remember when he just retired for? Well, Scotland they signed there, him on okay. the basis of the one good season, and yeah. then obviously it went terribly wrong. But it's um, he did he did say he did preface it as you said with when I was young and starting out, damn exactly. part. So, and I, and I so think he that's obviously kind of it. was too young to know better, and we can't hold that against him. For example, when I was young and didn't know better, when I was young, I once bought a Shaking Stevens uh, single when I was a very small child. And you can't yeah. hold that against me. No, I mean I, I do a little bit, but not highly. <laughs> and you Welsh as well. That's a disgrace. <laughs> but uh, he's our Elvis. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, I, so I think you I can't think really hold say, that against him. He, he totally, at the time, if you were like a young player coming through and a team like Connacht, which at the time was basically the like Jindep child of Irish rugby that they all hated, <laughs> you know, and and they didn't give any kind of, they didn't have Bundyaki then. They didn't no. have any of these like I, quality players. I did like that, that was a second that. person that he mentioned. Yeah, Dan Parts was good. Now Bundyaki. Oh, now I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. back in Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like compared, like Dan Parks with Scott with fifty odd Test caps and the ability to play outside half, sort of at an international level. And pointed sideburns. Must... That was probably and a big so... thing in the West of Ireland, to be honest. Pointed sideburns back then. I think it was worryingly. It was probably a thing everywhere, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I had them for a period. Uh, Until a barber told me they made my nose look even bigger than it already is. <laughs> I said, you're not having a tip. That was a separate barber, barber in Cardiff, that, because they're all separate barbers in Cardiff. They are all separate barbers in Cardiff. Uh, yeah, so also Kieran Chicken Legs Marmion. Yes, I That's did gonna enjoy stick. that one as well. <laughs> that is definitely going to stick. <laughs> no. And who doesn't like a bit of traditional Irish music? A lad from the I, west I, of Ireland, who's quite, you know, a nicely spoken lad, likes a bit of Irish music. Nothing wrong with that I, at all. I think that's absolutely fine. You can say that the I'm I'm can understand why he thinks that his teammates probably wouldn't enjoy that on the stereo pre match. It's not exactly gonna get you pumped. <laughs> yeah. I'm all for a bit of Irish folk. I don't know. Have, have you heard she moves through the fair on the Ireland pipes? That's that'll get you really pumped for the game, I imagine. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I just have never tried it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any clubs out there want to try that? Let us know how it went. Get in touch. No. So there you go. Hopefully you could hear that okay. And that brings us to the end of another week. Yes. It's uh It was it was I'm sorry if we sound quite fraught. It was very fraught before it started. I'm not sure I managed to shake this kind of fraught aura from off myself. I feel like I've sort of got that like seven cups of coffee twitch sort of thing. There's a little bit of that going on, yeah. Yeah. Oh well. So we'll see you next week for a lion shirt, an interview from with a guy from from the lower levels of the game. And whatever, and and some catch up on what's happening with the start of the Awesome Internationals. Before we do go, are Wales finally going to beat Australia? Probably not. Probably not. No, you're right. <laughs> They've never had a better <laughs> chance. Gonna, so they're going to finally beat the All Blacks. In, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> but genuinely good luck, Ireland. This yeah, is... and then they've got to play them again in a fortnight. Yeah, it's real I mean, could... soul-stirring. That's... You know, get the mojo up stuff. This isn't it? Getting absolutely prison shamed by the All Blacks twice, <laughs> twice in, the, in, in a fortnight. Boom. Ugh. Good luck to you. Good luck That's to you all. I say. See yes. you next week. Ta-da. Good night and good luck. <laughs> 
Bank of Ireland is looking out for your financial well-being. They want to help protect you from fraud. So whether it's Black Friday, Cyber Monday, or even just plain old Tuesday, be careful online. Don't assume that every text message or email you get claiming to be from a bank, a delivery service, or any company is legit. And remember, Bank of Ireland will never send you a text message or an email with a link asking for your full 365 PIN number or one-time passcodes, so don't give them out. Search Bank of Ireland Security, and together this Christmas we won't let the fraudsters win. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.